and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, the podcast where Kim and Amy bring you spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations for whatever we read this week. Amy, what did we read? We read Brunswick Street Blues by Sally Bothyrod, B-O-Y-T-H-R-O-D. Okay, cool. Which was a recommendation from the Brisbane City Council Libraries app. Ah, thanks, (laughs) Libby, or whatever app it is that we're using for the library these days. That's wonderful. Do you want me to do the spoiler free? It's got mystery in it. It does. I was thinking that perhaps this one would be best if I did. Yeah. So this is a contemporary novel set in Melbourne, but it's not set in like 2022 contemporary. Mm-hmm. It is it's set like 07 it's or set something. It's like 07. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's when we're all adults. But actually, now that I think about it, it's quite a long time ago. So it's set around 2007 in Melbourne. Essentially, we follow... Brick Brown. Brick Brown. That's right. I knew she had a funny name. We follow Brick Brown, who has an uncle who lives... She was essentially in the foster care system and was adopted by a man who runs the Phoenix, which is a blues... No, a jazz nightclub. No, it's in, bluesy. Hence Brunswick bluesy? Street Blues, yes. Oh, cool. Who runs like a bluesy nightclub Pub. in Fitzroy. Yeah. Lots of regulars. Lots His of name's regulars. Baz. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. And presently she works for the PR department of the local city council. And in the very first chapter... So part of what she's also doing, the reason she took the job at council was because someone is making complaints about the Phoenix and she thinks something weird's going on with Baz or that there might be some kind of complaints being made. And so she took this job at the council in the hopes that she could kind of snoop around a little bit Mm. on behalf of the Phoenix, which she is very, very committed to. It's like her home. She's grown up there. She grew up there and a sense of home and belonging, obviously, as a foster kid means a lot to her. So that's kind of the premise. So we meet Brick as she is breaking into the archives room in the council building after everyone has left at like 5.30. Opens the door and what does she see but the current mayor, yes, the current mayor of Melbourne is dead and pants down around his ankles sitting at at the table in the middle of the archives room and has been dead for some time. And... She then obviously closes the door. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to have to explain why, how I found him. So, so she leaves a voicemail on so her she, supervisor's That's right. Phone. So she goes home and she's like, surely people are going to, like, the whole council building smells. She's like, surely people are going to know he's up there. And obviously then is, like, just debating whether she should have to call the police. She, like, rings her supervisor and is like, he's a check the archives room with like two. it's great anyway so she does all that eventually they locate like him and days later days later it's on the news <laughs> she's, that he's been she's found. sitting there being like oh what's you that think smell really might have died yeah <laughs> anyway so that's all terrific do you think the smell could be coming from upstairs maybe <laughs> but actually the kind of core i guess the core part of the the book, the core mystery, because it's a murder mystery and that's kind of what it becomes. So she doesn't actually investigate the mayor's death. So she's not, she isn't like a, it's not a Stephanie Plum or a Franny Fisher where she at the start is kind of given this job of going and investigating. No, no, no. But her uncle Baz disappears and he does that a bit, goes on kind of walkabout and disappears and isn't seen for a while, but he has seemed really stressed 
He's not answering his phone. No one knows where he is. She goes through his desk and there's like an envelope filled with cash. So there's just, it. something feels off, something feels wrong. And at the same time, strange things start happening at the council Yeah, where, you know, like people are stepping down from committees. Obviously the mayor is dead. So there's a bit of a power vacuum, like a little bit of a vacuum there. People are stepping down from influential committees. People are going missing. There's development proposals suddenly arising. Yes. And being kind of like rushed through. And, and at the same time, a very high-profile journalist who mostly covers, like, he's a war correspondent, he's, like, a famous journalist, starts turning up to council meetings, which are open to the public, and it just gets all very suspicious. A spidey sense prickles. Basically, Brick gets kind of, she starts doing investigations because she's worried about her uncle. Yeah. But mostly she just notices a bunch of stuff and ends up kind of getting drawn into the investigation that the journalist is doing. And one thing kind of just leads to another, really. And before you know it, she's in it up to her eyeballs. And that's the book. Really, anything else is telling you blow by blow yeah, what yeah, happens. Yeah, which is why I'm not doing the spoiler free. And really apart part. from that, it's just a big cast of characters. And where I felt like we were being introduced to a big cast of characters that then will continue on in future books. But I didn't actually. I always, I meant to Google, but I was it came away out this at a year retreat. or the end of last right, year. Right, okay, cool. So, so we don't know. It was no, definitely this, is- this author's debut novel. Yes. I read her afterward at the end, and it was yep. clearly that kind of vibe. Yeah, but that's it. Brunswick Street Blues. That's anything else is. But it is that kind of Stephanie Plum where lots of there's one overarching mystery, but lots of like getting distracted and off on little tangents. Pretty and constantly. Humor. And it is humorously told, yes. yes. My biggest, that was my, like, thematically or kind of with an aesthetic, that was my takeaway was it felt like Stephanie Plum set in Melbourne. Yes, but if I now go into my thoughts. Please. I, that's, oh, sorry, I was she, gesturing to Amy. I've done that a lot this afternoon. Come she on, was on. more competent than Stephanie. Oh, so much more competent. Which I enjoyed. And more likeable. <laughs> yeah, she was. So even though she's a silly name, that's part of her backstory and explained. It is. And so, and it's not ignored. No, people's no. names are like acknowledged, except so for the mayor's. <laughs> whose oh name my is goodness, Dickie Ruffhead. that is my first. So I, wrote I saw notes, that on your note. <laughs> and my first note for this book under Brunswick Street Blues is Dickie Ruffhead exclamation mark in block capitals. And it's supposed to, and it's like I read that and laughed out loud. And he's meant to be a bit sort of a caricature, yeah. ridiculous. And I feel like for people overseas, our overseas listeners, if you choose to read this book, you have to read it like. Dicky Roughhead. You like, have to read it in most, a really broad Australian With the most accent. broad Australian I hope it has accent. an audio book because I'd love to hear I the would love to hear that, but it doesn't. I, as far as I'm aware, it doesn't presently have an audio book. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very silly. Like it wasn't a book that I had to get massively deeply engaged in. And I really enjoyed that because I wanted something that was familiar because I come off a big Franny Fisher comfort lag again, sure. yeah. which is sort of the theme of the past few reviews we've done. And I was like, yeah, I'll give that a go. That sounds fun. Yeah. And I did think it was fun. There's a scene at the Melbourne Cup and I laughed so hard and I tried to explain why it was funny to my husband and he was like, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> The Melbourne Cup is a big race in Australia, a horse race, and it's known as the race that stops the nation. It's oh, like the most important horse race in Australia. But the description of it took me straight to, like, 
Kenny. It oh, was it was right there. So with you. funny. Yeah, it was right there. And when I finished it, I couldn't think of anything to read, and you were going to think that I'm the dorkiest person in the world. I actually read it again. Oh my god! <laughs> because it was a really quick read. I liked the mystery. Like I, re- what I really liked was her relationship with Baz and this sense of what her home was. Yeah, because sure. she was someone who was adrift in the world. And she did have quite a genuine relationship with this sort of father figure. Yes. And then she is someone who hasn't really held down any full-on job. Um, the council is probably the longest job other than working at the Phoenix, which yeah, is Yeah, well, that's her kind of, yeah, that's home. her home is that, the Phoenix. That yeah. fulfills her. But the sort of house that she lives in and her friends and, you know, sort of urban family were quite fun characters. I yeah. really liked Bunny, her. I loved you know, Bunny, who she doctor, kind of wild doctor with, yeah. housemate. I liked the sort of quest that she went on with the journalist and all the different antics that happened. Yep. I just thought it was a really entertaining book. It was very silly. I even enjoyed the very quick, ridiculous denouement. Oh, I know, right, yeah. And if there had been a second one, I would have immediately read the second one. Yeah, right. Gotcha. So I would recommend it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's not earth-shattering. It's not going to change who you are, but I thought it was – it made me smile. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So what did you think? I have no idea what you thought. I know. We haven't talked about this one. I – this book made me, like, properly laugh out loud, and I – it is the – single most Australian book I've ever read. So if someone wanted, if you ever want to understand like Not even read, Lonely from Longreach. Well, that's kind of my point, yeah, was okay. I actually had zero cultural cringe. Yeah, neither did there I. Was no, I didn't read any of this. Even like it was even genuine. the mayor, Dickie Roughhead, who used to play footy, and that's how like, he ended up like mayor. I was like, yeah, I actually know that guy. Like, do you know what I mean? It was, it was very, it is a very realistic representation and satirical as much as it is. Yeah. But borderline not satirical. Like a lot of that is there are a lot of our football players do become politicians because then you get one or two of them in there and they all get their mates in there and it's a whole thing. It is so Australian. And it is just handled. Well, and this it was, is there the, was just no – and I had – it was all the things that I kind of – and it's not all the things that I love about Australia. It wasn't this kind of strange celebration of the Australian spirit or anything like that. It just was very cleverly done and very kind of – Blatant? Did you think it was genuine? Yes. Because that's what I enjoyed about it. That's was a, I the guess realism blatant. of yeah, the relationship. That's what I kind of that was kind of my takeaway of why I enjoyed that. It didn't feel like it was trying to be Australian, but it also didn't feel like it was trying to not be Australian. It was set in Australia about Australian characters written by an Australian person. I would love so listeners just, who aren't in yes. Australia to read it and get back to us on this one because Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure, because because the idea that the mayor of Melbourne, quite a massive city in Australia. Oh, it was like a little, like, was it Melbourne or was it like Fitzroy? You know how they've got their little... No, he was the mayor of Melbourne. I have to read it again. You will. Ah! (laughs) And then the idea that his name was Dickie Roughhead, I was just like, yep, that that checks out. (laughs) Um, 
it just anyway it just made me laugh so much and then you know she's trying to go around council to try and get these people to pay attention to the smell and everyone's going that's not in your job description just keep your head down the idea that the council building is like empty by five five o'clock in the afternoon oh, yeah. everyone's long since gone home <laughs> and mondays people are often people sick, are calling on in sick on mondays so the they meetings. do surprise staff meetings on other days because apparently everyone's sick on a monday <laughs> i just really enjoyed it the idea that the only people who are happy at council are the parking attendants because they get to be outdoors most of the time <laughs> so good and i have a, i have quite a good friend who worked for council for a lot of years and i have a very very close friend who works in council at the moment in Brisbane, and it just it just rang so true. You're going to get her to read this book. I know. Um, anyway, so all of that was wonderful. I loved all the supporting characters. They were all very identifiable as the kind of characters I would expect to be in the book, and and seemed quite realistic yeah, to me like as well. Yeah, like the housemates and the kooky um, Fitzroy types, and absolutely. Yeah. So all of that was just yeah, it was lovely. I really, I really enjoyed it. Got through it in a day, so I found it a really quick read as well. Yep. And it was just fun. It was fun. And that's not to say that it's frivolous. It wasn't. There was – it kind of deals with a lot of quite hard-hitting parts of Australian culture. Like, and her backstory. As well. Her backstory her is quite childhood. serious. The mystery. Oh, the whole mystery thing. The whole mystery thing. That was quite serious. Um, if you – about that. In terms of, like, it being a legit representation of things in Australian culture and that idea of, you know – footballers going on to be men who hold positions of power. So the idea that these people who hold all this power in this kind of boys club they've created are abusing that power and exploiting people, that was kind of the then underlying theme. So although the whole tone of the book is quite humorous and light, the kind of what's the mystery itself is not. The mystery is gets quite dark there were bits of it i thought so in terms of the actual plot itself i would say there was too much of it it was oh i would say overly complicated Even and maybe really a short. bit yes maybe a bit too messy and a bit too full oh yeah some, i loved that, it though i was like take me wherever yeah. you want me to oh <laughs> me too don't get me wrong i'm i'm just saying these are my these were my i was just happy to hang out in melbourne yes and even though obviously no audiobook i was just reading this in my head in my broadest australian like accent Kim. i could manage yeah as I though we were Jesus. out west yeah yep. so good I thought, again, the secondary kind of climactic big boss, you know, showdown felt totally unnecessary. I felt like the book was already over and then it kind of clogged on this extra thing. Yeah, that was end. like wild and vroom, 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 Yes, vroom, vroom. I was like, what is this? So, look, probably not. It became strict- like two hands at the end it, of it. Yes, and it strictly not really necessary. It felt like it just needed, like, Someone said, maybe the ending could be more exciting. And she was just really attached to the initial ending, so just, like, wrote a secondary ending that could be more exciting. So that was a bit weird. And I thought the bit – so it's – a lot of it kind of deals with Brick learning about her past because, obviously, Baz is missing. So what she is investigating is Baz. And that kind of necessitates or ends up being about her looking into her past. And she's never really done that before because she's just – is holding on so tight to the life that she has. She doesn't want to rock the boat by mm. digging around in where she came from or what came before. And she doesn't have any memories from before Baz. She 
and no one has told her anything. Like she came to him at like five, so five or six. So she should remember stuff before that. She's got a bit of like blank. It's a whole blank. So there's a bit of exploring around that, which frankly was a little bit eye-rolly. Like the moment where I now remember everything was a little bit like, okay, cool. I went with it. I 100% went with it. I am putting these things out there just because if you listen to our review and you're like, I'm going to go read it off the back of this review, I just want you to know that I did see all of these things as well. That but you might have the occasional, oh, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Or being like, roll. what is going on now? Yeah. Yes, 100%. And there was a bit in it at the very end that was a plot hole and everyone in the cast of characters was like, how did he even get here? And everyone's like, eh. <laughs> And that's it. it. That was how they dealt with it. And I was like, I'm with you. I'm already there. I wasn't. Don't. <laughs> because I, yeah, we go with the mood it was and the that tone kind of, of the book. Like, and I was like, at this point, I was. I just felt like calling out to the author through the book being like, I appreciate it, but no one was asking. No one's asking that question. It's like, we're fine. We're there. I really loved that it was not a romance at all and that they didn't even kind of play that game. I really enjoyed that. And I just really, the thing I loved about it and what allowed me to kind of forgive the messiness of the plot was it just felt like following a person's life. And life is messy. And life is actually just a series of weird little events that kind of then get oh. cobbled together. And she's not pretending to be organised. No, or, or she's methodical or anything like that. find Baz. Baz she is wants to find Baz. To but, but her secondary purpose is if I don't turn up to work and return the work vehicle, someone's going to sack me and then how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's <laughs> – and, and eventually she reaches a point where she's like, I really should go home because I haven't slept in 32 hours. And so – and the thing that I loved that also was very – she's an amateur, she is not a detective, and this is a very Australian novel, was just the points at which people would just get wasted. (laughs) So much of it was just like, oh, God, it's been a really big day. Wine? And everyone would just get totally drunk. We found something in the back of the cupboard. Let's drink that. Let's drink that. (laughs) At this point, we were were down to the box wine. Oh, so funny. Oh, cask wine. So funny. It's not as bad as you think. Um. Yes, so I loved all of that too. And then, because it's that kind of book, we don't, like, skip forward three days. We wake up the next morning and they're like, oh, God, I've got to go do a thing, but I'm fairly sure I'm still very drunk. Like, it was great. I just driving. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed when they had to get up after everyone pretty much drinking themselves blind and they had to get up and go on a on a spontaneous adventure and they were like, oh, we're worried that Bunny might have, like, given herself alcohol poisoning. We can't leave her here in case she, like, chokes on her own vomit or something. All right, bring her with. But she's, like, <laughs> unconscious for most of the – yeah. So it just seemed – and, again, not I'm not saying that, like, this was my misspent youth or anything, but I was just like, this just feels like university life. Like, when you're – when things just roll and you don't have enough of a schedule, her job is flexible enough that she's just kind of – Working it out as Working it comes it along. Working it out as it comes along. And yeah. I just, yeah, I was so there for it. Well, I, was... I was I was in from the moment where she was like, oh, I don't want to have to explain this. I'll just leave a voicemail. I was there. <laughs> I was I was ready and knew exactly what I was reading and was so excited to read it from Dickie Roughhead. <laughs> that was bad. That was like line four. It was like line four. Once the mayor's name was Dickie Roughhead, I was like, and 
Yes. Go. Come at me, book. I'm ready for you. Okay. So this sounds Loved like it. two very enthusiastic recommends. Yeah. I, and I'll treasure it. I will reread the bejesus out of this book. And Woo. I really hope she does a series of them. It'll be hard. Not hard, but... It'll be weird because there's. it didn't set it up for her to have any reason to continue to go on these Except adventures. Except for the characters. Except for the characters. And, you, you know, we want to spend time with the characters. Yes. And but... she is observant. That was the thing. Like, she was exceptional as a person. Do you know she what I mean? She wasn't an idiot. No. Well, she's worked in a bar all her life, so it's kind of... She, and she's got a she's got what she calls a bartender's memory. Yes. So, so they stop short... Yeah, they stop short of saying she has a photographic memory, but she's that person who'll look at a license plate and go, I'm going to remember what that license plate number is, and that's it. It's locked in her memory, and she's remembered it. So, yeah, but loved it. Exceptional. Go out and read it. Brunswick Street Blues. Highly recommend. Thanks, Sally Bothrod. <laughs> Please tell us. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sally. I feel like I need to do with the justice of actually attempting to pronounce it properly. She must be so annoyed. Boy Throd. Boy Throd. She's probably, like, gets this all the time. Yeah. And it's right. like, it's just Boy Throd. It's not that hard to okay. say. Well, I'm doing it's it without phonetic. reading. And and that's all we have time for. Thank you so much once again for spending some of your time with us. We are eternally grateful that you do so. And join us again next week. We will bring you more spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations for whatever we read. And until then, happy reading! And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.